Good morning, everybody. I was uh, just practicing my Romanian with a couple of TV stations, so I've decided to switch to English, having heard my Romanian. And, um, but I can switch back to Romanian with questions or anything else. Thank you for coming on such a uh, difficult morning. When I woke up this morning, I said, God, wouldn't you know it, after all, that, all it takes to get people out of their house, particularly in post-COVID season, but it's great to see all of you, and I thank you very much for being here. I'm here with my colleague and my associate producer, uh, Dan Dragicescu, by the name of Horace, and Laura Belderman, who's uh, in charge of our research. Um, so other colleagues are back at their office. I am delighted to say that we are launching a new national tour uh, across the country, just like we did for Queen Marie. And um, we wanted to do this also as a way to get a film that we did called King Michael, The Journey Home, uh, which is about his exile years. Because you might wonder if we did two films on him, the first one called The King's War in 2016, why do we do a second one? Well, that second one begins on a train as he's leaving the country in January of 1948, going to a place which he didn't know because the windows were blocked on the train, if he was going to Moscow or if he was going to the west where he was promised free passage. And he went to Switzerland, to Lausanne, where he landed. And that began a new phase of his life, which was actually, from that point to his death, the longest phase of his life, in exile. And nobody really touched that. And I thought that's an interesting story. What happened to the king, who had such a troubled existence here, in Romania after he left. Well, we discovered, we went to Switzerland where he was most of the time, we went to England, of course we talked to people in Romania, and we talked to people who were close to him. We talked to his advisors, we talked to the people that lived in his house, we talked to some family members, we talked to people that were so dear to him that when they talked about him now, now that they're in their 80s and 90s, in some cases, tears came to their eyes. They loved the man. They knew him well. But the king had a tough time. That's what we discovered. He had a tough time because he was one of many monarchs who was thrown out of Eastern Europe and Central Europe, and it ended up in Paris and London and different capitals. He had a tough time because he was soon abandoned by the West, the West that, in a way, uh, came to his side in 1944, but now they had moved on and they had embraced a communist world. Richard Nixon came here in 1969 as President of the United States, and uh, Charles de Gaulle came a year earlier in 1968. So all of a sudden, monarchs were not particularly welcome, and monarchs who wanted the old days back. And while he was away back home, the press and the media were criticizing him, uh, attacking him relentlessly. And in the West, where he tried to find homes, often the big monarchies were too busy or was busy with other things. And you could imagine how he felt when uh, Queen Elizabeth of England received uh, Ceausescu in the same carriage that he had ridden in many years earlier. And on top of that, he had no money. And that's a very real thing and he had many children, so he had to live. He had a chicken farm in England for a while, 
and then he got a job with an American uh, 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 fellow who, who Lear Jets, that had uh, jets that you know for personal use, and he became a test pilot. So it wasn't easy, and he was. We discovered he was down, and even to use his own words, depressed, and in using the words of the people who were close to him. But the nice thing is, the glorifying thing, the redemptive aspect, is that he came back. He came back to his country. He came back to be of use to his country for NATO and other things. And he came back, finally buried at Kirti de Ajish with all the attention I think anybody's had in a long time. And his returns, early on, he had three returns, were triumphant. The warmth for him was triumphant. So I felt you saw a king that had been, had a difficult first part of his life, left at a young age in his early 20s, and that even a, another difficult part in the second phase of his life. And maybe in the third phase, um, discovered, you know, some satisfaction. People ask me, why didn't he die in Romania? Why didn't he come back? And I asked that question, and in this new cut, I lift up some comments by a journalist uh, who had interviewed him many times, and by his lawyer, Michael Flax. And, uh, and I said, why didn't he come back? And he said, and he was the only one that said that, not even the king said it, he said he would only come back if he could become king again. But he couldn't become a king again because Romania had a new constitution and the, and the, move, the world had moved on in a way. So that was an interesting observation by these aides, and also I think as an old man, um, he couldn't trust anyone anymore back here. He didn't know these politicians. He didn't feel comfortable with them. There were so many of them pulling him different directions. He was many times badly received, blocked, put on planes, sent back, sent back to the West. So in Switzerland, maybe like many old people, he wanted to be, he was at safe, he was at ease. And he even said, uh, his wife said, or I think he or his wife said, that it's, uh, or it's always a good idea to have a place in Switzerland. And that's what he thought, a, a view also echoed by his lawyer. So I think that the story is uh, always a little more complex. Um, I think it is a very passionate story, and I'm delighted that when history aired it here in Romania, it set a record in viewers for the channel since they've been here. And I'm delighted in particular that Romanian National Television is going to be running it on King's Day, May 10th at 9 o'clock. And all this going on as well, it's airing these months in throughout all of Eastern Europe, in the Baltic countries, in England, in Belgium, in Sweden, all over. So this story is not about a Romanian king, it's about a king who had courage and had an amazing life. And you don't have to be Romanian to recognize that and to appreciate it. So, um, so I am uh, off, the, off on the road together with my colleagues. I drag them along. And Irina Nistor, who you all know, who was with us occasionally when she had time on the first Queen Marie tour, and joins me in Timisoara, I think on the 4th and the 5th of May. And uh, here in Bucharest, uh, our uh, opening is the 6th of May at BCU, right, the uh, King Carroll Library. What, what we're trying to do is to get it to 
this story to different strata in Romania, not just the elites of, you know, Bucharest and Cluj and so forth, but also into the industrial areas like Zalau or Petroshan, where we were before. When we went to Petroshan, miners area, poor, the place was full. It was so full that they had to go into another, another room by, you know, hook up and link. And we saw that across the country, that people have so little contact a, with their own history and with their own heroes and the number of people who come afterwards where you really get a sense of things and talk to you about the impact it had. There'd be a grandmother who'd come with her granddaughter and say, you see that story I told you about Queen Marie? Did you see who she was? And it made them proud. And I remember when uh, uh, TED Talks asked me once to talk about heroes and I was talking about American heroes and so forth, Kennedy and Roosevelt. And I think that all countries need their heroes and they need their people to know about them. You know, when you ask the French about their past, they'll talk about Napoleon, they'll talk about de Gaulle, they'll talk about their artistic heroes, if you will, Picasso or all the famous writers, Montaigne and so forth. That's all part of them. And I think it's important that people, particularly now, who have so much access, uh, to information, start to get to know people that are not only well-known here, reasonably well but now starting to be well-known all over the world. We, I've made a point of trying to get it into the schools, and in this first event uh, in Timisoara, it's an experiment to go into the schools and try to get these schools to take the shows that we've done and cut them into, you know, 15-minute segments so they can see the video because they're so video-oriented, and then, then, and then have a discussion about it. And so I've had the chance to talk to various ministers of education, but whenever we try to move something forward, there's a new minister of education, so it's, that's been a, a continuing problem. So now we're not going from top down, we're going bottom up. So we're going from the schools around the country, and hopefully they'll give, a, uh, they'll, uh, give us the momentum to take this uh, elsewhere. Um, so, the other interesting thing about King Michael was that he, when he left here, he came to, went to England and then he went to the United States. And the CIA got in touch with him. The CIA, we went into their files, we dug, well, we dug out the files, and they were interested in disrupting the communist movement in all of Eastern Europe. And there's a young man called Frank Weisner who was a great athlete at the University of Virginia, then a, a young recruit in, uh, in the, uh, the pre-CIA organization, who in fact ended up being head of the CIA. And he tried to get the king to go along with them. They said, come with us, we'll pay you some money, which is equivalent of a quarter of a million dollars, give you a home. And the king thought about it and said, thank you, but no thanks. He didn't want to be anybody's man, and they wanted him to get behind a military operation, a commando operation, to drop paratroopers into Romania and uh, try to destabilize the new regime that had taken, taken hold here of Petru Groza. So he, he danced around, he played around, he listened, but he decided to go his way, and his way was difficult, as I mentioned before. So that essentially is what we're up to. 
we got a film that's got a, a new one that got a good start in Romania with a big audience, and I'm delighted that national television is, is taking it on. And also, I'm delighted that it's being picked up all across Europe. It's also aired the other day in India, in, uh, in Chicago, in Munich, and different places. So uh, these days, you know, unless you have it in video, it's much more difficult to get people to read a book as anybody who flies a lot these days and you, you walk down the aisle like Arena would know well at nighttime and all the screens are open, but they uh, don't read too much, so we're in video form. And my father was a historian of Romanian history and he wrote a number of books on Romanian history that were published in the United States and elsewhere. And, uh, and uh, I observed that you can get more with the TV program that reaches millions, and I think we reached about five million so far, we estimate, on the first two films uh, than on books, but obviously books are hugely valuable. So anyways, on that I'd like to ask if anybody has any questions about the tour. Finally, right there, Stefan Hilwin was a gentleman who did all our recreations on many of our films and did a beautiful job. In fact, we did so well, we had a French TV company that was doing a film on Queen Marie that asked to buy some of our shots for a projection in France. And I said, no, we can't do that. That belongs to Queen Marie, and that actually belongs to him because he, he pulled it off.